2080 Baseball Podcast. Travis Krenz, Evan Hendershot uh, have a chance coming up here to uh, talk a little Rockies baseball. I would say uh, Rockies, Reds, your two surprise teams. Uh, one of them are the or one of them have a chance to maybe sustain this a little bit. Uh, I thought the Rockies obviously would would be a lot better uh, than the Reds going into the season. Uh, Reds bullpen may talk a little bit about that next week, but uh, Rockies beat uh, Dodgers last night, looking really good. Yeah, I'd say the Rockies definitely have a better chance of sustaining their success than the Reds. Um, what we kind of talked about a lot was pitching and and whether or not their pitching is going to be successful throughout the year. And, and it feels like we talk about this, or, or baseball fans talk about this every year, like when are the Rockies going to get good pitchers? Will pitchers ever want to go there? Will pitchers ever look good playing in Coors Field? Um, we talk a little bit about um, strikeouts per nine, ground ball rate, things like that. Um, I think what we found out and what we'll always know is Coors is going to be good for hitters, but can they pitch? And we talked a little bit about the bullpen too, um, and that looks like it's uh, uh, very, very good. So if the pitchers can, can uh, you know, uh, be ready for the task of, of kind of holding this team together, the starting pitchers, at least. Um, I think the the Rockies could go pretty far this year. Yeah, right now they have the worst ERA for starters, 4.56, which uh, for them is an awful 4.56. They can win a lot of games, uh, giving up four and a half runs a game. Uh, bullpen ERA, though, is, is great. It's 2.77, fourth best in the National League. I know the Dodgers' bullpen is just insane right now, like low ones. Uh, so you average that all out there, 3.86 ERA, middle of the pack, eighth in the National League. And I worry about maybe, uh, I don't know, overuse of that bullpen um, just because of guys that have injury history. And, uh, again, I, I'll say this until I'm blue in the face, their starters just are not great, and that's evident by that uh, by that ERA. Um, and, you know, we talk about uh, Kyle Freeland a little bit. Uh, I think uh, Sanzatella's, uh, I like him the most out of the bunch. And uh, John Gray's going to miss, what, eight weeks or so? Six to eight weeks with a toe. So yeah. that's a big loss for them. That nasty toe. The big Frustrate, toe. Frustrating the, injury. The king of the toes. But, uh, I mean, uh, Chatwood looked really good this weekend. I, I caught a, uh, a pretty good look at him this weekend. and He was just lights out. And, you know, uh, maybe he can sustain some success throughout the season. Because, I mean, I don't know. I, I think we've talked about this a little bit. I, I don't think John Gray's that amazing. Uh, he always seems to to have these big innings that he yeah. just can't he can't nail it down um he does strike out a lot of guys which is good um yeah i saw something on a slider it was like a Syndergaard type 90 plus slider so if he can maintain that that's great but yeah that, that one inning really seems to get him yeah and um yeah it's, it's going to be pitching and, and the thing about the lineup too is they're they're playing well and they've got uh Murphy, Tom Murphy is going to be a platoon catcher with Tony Walters, probably. David Dahl is coming back to the outfield, um, which will hopefully allow you to uh, play him a little bit more, assuming Gerardo Parra cools down. And then uh, Ian Desmond, of course, um, doing whatever in the world Ian Desmond's going to do. Uh, who who knows? Uh, we talk a little bit about that. But um, the lineup should should get better, uh, one would assume, when, when these guys come back. So maybe they do overcome the injuries or the uh, starting pitching uh, and John Gray's injury a little bit, but um, I don't know. I'm not sold on them. Are you? Not yet. I'm going to give it another couple of weeks. So they've looked awfully impressive thus far. Their offense should get better while their pitching regresses a little bit. So things should even out that way. Uh, Trevor Story hopefully isn't this bad. 
with those additions of those three guys. As you mentioned, uh, DJ LeMay, he's gotten off to an awful start. He's turning it around. Uh, so they had a couple of guys. I mean, Arenado uh, hit a couple home runs last night. Uh, he's been outstanding. And something we didn't bring up, um, he's going to be in the MVP race if Colorado is good. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that's stopping him from being uh, an, an MVP because he's an outstanding hitter. So hopefully he'll get more recognition coming well, up. And he's a great defender too. Yeah. Um, so that really helps. But he's going to – it's it's funny. When you play in cores, hitting 40 homers is not going to cut it. I feel like you got to just – totally mash but uh, aside from doubles triples a lot of base hits a lot of walks but i don't know i i just uh i feel like it's a little too soon to uh, look ahead to the mvp race but maybe he'll be in it um well we've already given the cy young to Irvin santana so put that on the shelf <laughs> yeah. there yeah i mean he's looked pretty good maybe uh maybe i don't know maybe that's a guy they try to bring in Irv? speaking of him I, I i don't know enough about him um I feel is that like, you know what his actual name is no johan santana is that real? That's factual. Nice. Look that up. His actual name is Johan Santana. And obviously, uh, don't go by that name. Yeah, well. By uh, like Irvin. Irvin's his middle name or whatever. I so. would say uh, he's definitely not as good as the um, widely known uh, Johan Santana. Yeah. But uh, who knows? Maybe he will be this year. But that I just that seems coincidental to, to mention him. That seems like a suitable fit. For, yeah. for a team like that if he if he continues performing and i do think they have a few guys they could deal um it's just a matter of the twins being uh picky they didn't trade dozier this offseason like they should have and um I, I guess i don't see that happening but colorado though very 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 interesting team um incre- the, incredibly frustrating to watch though with the pitching starting pitching the thing about it because like uh, tom verducci had something out how colorado's his surprise team when he talked with Tim Kirchin, we gave, what's your surprise team? He said Colorado. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of agreement among uh, the national types out there that Colorado could do something uh, with Greg Holland. They brought in Mike Dunn, who wasn't much of anything with, what, Miami? Mm-hmm. He was just a guy. They signed him for way too much they money, did. a lot of people thought, and he's looked really, really good. So. Been worth it so far. And then uh, Adam Adovino, who I've liked for, mm-hmm. for a number of years, um, you know, closer of the future, whatever you, bullpen ace, whatever you want to call him. I think he's their future bullpen guy. They're going to need those guys to be good because a lot of these starters are going to throw up uh, like Freeland did last night, four inning starts. Yeah. And um, they're going to need to squeeze every last pitch out of that bullpen that they can that they can get. And it's going to be somebody's going to break down in that bullpen. You know, I don't know. You want to place bets as to who it's going to be? Who's going to be? Well, somebody. I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like it's Holland, right? It's got to be. Could be. Yeah. I, I don't know. He just seems like he... Uh, I don't know. He looks good though so yeah. far from from what I've seen. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm not sold on the Rockies for a second. It was just I think they can finish maybe 500. Mm-hmm. They were at 75 last year. So if you're around that 80 win mark, sure isn't going to win your wild card though. It's not going to win you a wild card. But uh, Patrick Saunders compares Kyle Freeland to Jeff Francis, who was on the 2007 team that got go. swept. Future. Oh. It's every uh, every 10 years. Yeah, I suppose every 10 years. And it was just weird watching some games a couple weeks ago. Uh, they were playing Milwaukee and they were playing the Dodgers like two one games four to three. It's very weird. It's like all right, some some team's gonna get a big four run inning here, and that never happened. And there were a bunch of like games where the losing team scored one or two runs. Well, I think uh, as we did learn in 2007, as long as the Rockies uh, starting pitching is decent or below or a little bit below average, they can win a lot of games. And, it, and who knows if if they get hot in September and and they 
uh, barely squeeze in, squeak into the uh, the wild card spot or something, they could easily go on a, a run because the Dodgers, the Nationals, the Mets, the Giants, uh, the Cubs, the Cardinals, they all seem to have flaws in some regard. So any team could really just kind of heat up and, and cruise through the, the playoffs, I think. Because we've seen more of that in the American League team coming out of nowhere we haven't seen that in, in the National League for, for quite some time. So it would be good to see that. My Giants have not looked great. Dodgers have looked uh, okay. You'd expect them to get better. And Arizona has looked really, really good. So maybe it's uh, you know, Arizona and Colorado. I'm thinking one of those teams are going to be in the mix. Well, we could be in a uh, perennial ALE situation here where all of them are so uh, so above average that they all make themselves look worse yeah. by, uh, you know, you finish with a bunch of 80-win teams. There's no team that can get out ahead of the pack there. Yeah, and it's simply because they play a bunch of other yeah. good teams all the time. So that might be a struggle for Colorado, too. There we go. Uh, Patrick Saunders coming up next. Uh, beat writer Denver Post for the Colorado Rockies. Joining us here on the 2080 Baseball Podcast today is Patrick Saunders, beat writer, Denver Post for the Colorado Rockies. Patrick, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you guys? Very good. Uh, Rockies probably doing better than all of us combined right now. Uh, is is it as simple as it's the bullpen? Because the bullpen has been very, very impressive here these first two and a half weeks. Is it as easy as that? Uh, the bullpen just really, really good. Well, that's the main ingredient. It's the main difference between the Rockies teams we've seen over the last few years. But there's also been timely hitting. Uh, Nolan Arenado certainly is proving that he's one of the best players in the game. Uh, the defense, for the most part, has been the main ingredient. And the reason I think people are starting to get a little bit optimistic about this team is the bullpen was the worst in baseball last year, and right now it's one of the very, very best. We'll see how long it lasts, but for now they're pitching very well. What what went into that decision for Greg Holland to choose Colorado? Well, there were a variety of things. He wasn't quite getting the offers from other teams that he thought he might because uh, he didn't show up all that well in his, his uh, showcase last November. Uh, three, he liked the makeup of the team. Uh, he liked, the, for lack of a better term, he liked some of the good old boy mentality Um that some of the players have in the clubhouse. Uh, they're interested in hunting, fishing, that sort of thing. Uh, he liked the fit, and he liked the idea of uh, going to a team like the Rockies that he saw as an up-and-coming team that reminded him, I think, in many ways of, of the Royals uh, when they started to, to build toward a World Series. Uh, hey, Patrick. Um, I was kind of thinking uh, about talking about the rotation a little bit more. Um, then the bullpen sure. trying to, to kind of shift to that. Um, I was noticing, uh, looking at guys like Kyle Freeland, uh, Chatwood, Sanzatella, these are a lot of guys who don't strike out many batters. And um, you, you would, uh, one would think that maybe uh, you wouldn't want to put the ball in play in Coors Field, but then you look at their ground ball rates, and at least uh, Chatwood and Sanzatella were, as of yesterday, in the top 35 in ground wow. ball percentage in, in the league. And I was wondering if, if that's a new approach from the Rockies front office, if if this is on purpose. Are they looking for more guys who maybe aren't um, the high strikeout guys that every other team's going after and going after some some ground ball guys considering uh, how good that uh, infield defense is? Well, I think you hit upon something. I, I think the Rockies' philosophy is this. I think they realize that 
uh, they're not going to be a free agency. They're not going to get high strikeout starting pitching. Uh, they've got to develop their own guys, and some of their own guys profile as guys that get ground out. Back end of it, they did spend money, and for them, big money. So you almost have a two-headed monster here. You have starters who they hope are going to be at least six innings, perhaps seven on occasion. But you're right. Um, you know, if they can get a lot of ground ball outs, that, that's a terrific way to go. And then you put the bullpen in the back, and they would prefer to have Mike Dunn or Holland or Ottavino strike guys out. Um, and this is my opinion. I think that uh, right now I think it's clear that if the Rockies are going to make the playoffs and continue postseason push, in my mind they're probably going to have to find some starting pitching depth because I just can't see what they have right now holding out for a full season. I think it's too young. I think it's too inexperienced. Uh, and I just think there's too many flaws right now in the starting pitching. Uh, but to your point, yes, I think they do like guys who can get a lot of ground ball outs and particularly get out of innings via the double play. You've seen Kyle Freeland struggle, but he's been able to do that at various times this year. Patrick Saunders with the Denver Post joining us here on the 2080 Baseball Podcast. Uh, as, as far as that starting pitching is concerned, do they have any assets they could trade for somebody if we fast forward three months from now and they're still in the race? Well, that's the problem. You know, we hear people say, oh, well, Carlos Gonzalez, because he's in the final year of his deal, but I don't see that flying. I, at this stage, I don't see teams offering up quality starting pitching in exchange for cargo. That's not on cargo necessarily, although he's not hitting very well right now. It's just starting pitching is so valuable. The only way I could see him getting throughout Jose Quintana and the White Sox, I don't think that's going to happen, but that's a name people like to throw out. I did want to, um, we kind of gloss over uh, Kyle Freeland a little bit. Um, he he seems like an interesting interesting player to me. He, he doesn't, again, he doesn't strike out very many pitcher or player hitters and and uh, he hasn't been uh, like spectacular, I guess, to start the season. What uh, what is the future for him? And and is there excitement around there? Seeing as this is a, a local a local kid uh, coming up, and um, he looks okay so far, I suppose. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't see him as a front of the rotation guy. I just don't think he's got the dynamic stuff like John Gray does, who's currently hurt mm-hmm. uh, with a uh, hairline fracture in his or a stress fracture rather in his foot. But uh, I do think he's got the tools and the mentality to be certainly a, a long-time major league starter and have some success. Um, the key for him right now is trusting his stuff. Uh, he was terrific in the, his major league debut against the Dodgers at Coors Field, which was the Rockies' home opener. Uh, he kept the Dodgers off balance. He, he attacked them in the strike zone. Uh, but in my opinion, he's, he's pitched a little tentatively in his last two starts. I think he's been uh, uh, kind of nitpicking a little bit, nibbling a little bit too much, maybe not trusting his stuff, and his command has suffered. He threw almost as many balls as strikes last night in the Rockies' victory of the Dodgers. So bottom line, if he stays healthy, I think Kyle Freeland has a chance to be a Jeff Francis kind of pitcher, uh, that kind of guy with actually a better fastball. But I don't see him being projecting to the ace type of guy that John Gray could be if if he can you know put all of his tools together. What's the uh, likelihood of them calling up some uh, maybe these AAA guys, Jeff Harf, uh, Hoffman, Marquez, uh, any of those guys expected to be up in the next month or two? 
Well, the debate, because they have an open spot in their rotation right now because of the injury to John Gray, uh, the two guys you mentioned in my mind are most likely going to be filling that fifth spot in the rotation. I think Marquez probably has the advantage over Jeff Hoffman, but uh, it certainly wouldn't shock me if Hoffman gets the call up as well. Uh, both of them have had a little bit of time with the Rockies at the big league level. Uh, Hoffman, of course, was the, the centerpiece of that Troy Tulowitzki trade in uh, 2015. Uh, he's got a lot of potential, but clearly he wasn't performing well enough because he didn't make the uh, big league roster coming out of a training camp. But it wouldn't surprise me if uh, one of those two guys joins the starting rotation here in the next couple of days. As far as some of these bullpen guys, obviously Holland with the Tommy John and uh, Adovino with injuries, are there any limits uh, that they're looking at, not throwing them you know, uh, three days in a row or, or, or anything like that? Not at all, not at all. I think that the Rockies were cautious with Adovino last summer because he was coming back from Tommy John. Uh, by the end of the season, there were no limits on him. And Greg Holland, who had Tommy John at the end of in October of 2015 and missed the World Series with, with the Royals. He has had plenty of time, I think, to recover. He took it slowly during the offseason and during spring training, but he feels terrific right now. His fastball velocity is nearly what it once was with the Royals. Um, they may not throw him out there three, four days in a row, at least not right now, but right now I don't think there's any limitations on innings or how often they'd use him because I mean, he's 8 for 8 and saves so far in the early going, and I think that shows you that Bud Black is not afraid to, get, to put him out there. Sure. You know, I think we've, we've probably focused on pitching so far just because that always seems to be the, the question mark for uh, this team, uh, I guess probably as, as far back as, as most people can remember. Um, but in the lineup, we're looking at uh, a, a lot of guys coming back at some point, Desmond, Dahl, uh, Murphy, um, any any of those uh, people coming back from injuries that you think are uh, is is there one guy in particular you think is going to have the the greatest impact? Um, I know a lot of people were excited about uh, Murphy at the beginning of the season. Well, I think if you're talking offensively, I think of those three. Um, I think the return of Desmond uh, is going to be helpful to the Rockies for a couple reasons. I think he he's not going to hit for tremendous power, but I think he has a chance to hit for for average. And he clearly gives them speed on the bases, which is something right now they don't have a lot of. I think that's going to help them. Uh, David Dahl has a potential for more power, more pop. Uh, but his, his uh, injury is a, is a little bit problematic, and it, there, it's taken some time. And I bet we don't see him for another, geez, maybe three, maybe four weeks before we even see him again. Uh, Tom Murphy certainly has pop in his bat. He can, he can drive the ball out of the ballpark, no question. Um, but I have to wonder how he's going to respond to a long season in the majors. That's something he's never done before. So we'll have to see when he gets back if if he is able to to answer the call. Patrick Saunders from the Denver Post talking some Rockies baseball here on the 2080 Baseball Podcast. Uh, Bud Black, uh, what what does he bring to the table as far as anything different uh, with with him compared to the former managers? Well, Certainly the fact that he's the first manager in Rockies history who has an extensive pitching background. Uh, you'd think the Rockies might have tried that before, but they didn't. So Bud Black, of course, pitched in the majors for uh, many, many years and was a pitching coach with the Angels when they won the World Series and then, of course, managed the Padres. 
so just his ability to relate to pitchers, to understand the mechanics, to understand the pressures, um, the psychology of it all, I think that's a, that's a big boost for these guys, particularly with a young pitching staff. So that's a plus, and I think you've already seen that with Bud Black. He's a good X's and O's guy. He's a good chess match guy, uh, in other words, in trying to get uh, matchups that he wants late in the game with his relievers against the opposing hitters. Uh, I think that becomes fairly natural to him. The thing that's more, more difficult to uh, quantify, if you will, is his relationship with the players and how he's trying to develop a culture within the club. Uh, but from everything I've seen and from the reaction I get from the players, they are completely on board with Bud Black. He, he's very personable. He's very honest. He can be harsh. He can be critical, but only when he needs to be. He doesn't just do it to, to be a tough guy. He does it to, to you know, in his mind, get players to, to take the next step. Never throw, throws his players under the bus to the media, which is a good thing. Uh, and he's a very likable person. I think... Uh, it would be hard to find a more liked person throughout baseball than than Bud Black. And the thing he did during spring training, which which I thought was really fun, which some people might think is corny, uh, he had all sorts of kind of wild and crazy team-building things going on, from bringing a 1,600-pound uh, steer out to spring training and, and having guys describe where the various cuts of meat come from. He had, uh, uh, they had an archery contest. They had a ping-pong tournament. They had all sorts of team-building things, which on the surface people might think, well, that's kind of corny, but it wasn't. The players loved it. They embraced it, and, uh, and I think it, it bonded these guys. And that's the one thing I really like about this club. Uh, there, is a, there is a nice chemistry brewing right now. We'll see how long it lasts. Uh, but for right now, I think you have to tip your hat to both Bud Black and to the players for, for developing some of that chemistry. Going back to the uh, the Ian Desmond coming back uh, with Mark Reynolds, he's done done pretty well at first. You got Trevor Story not doing well at short. So, what type of uh, roster changes do they make to fit Desmond in there? Well, right now, my guess is uh, the person they would probably move down would be uh, Stephen Cardulo, who's basically a role player right now and is not producing all that well. They would probably move him down, back down to AAA. Uh, when they activate Desmond, which could be fairly soon, perhaps as soon as next week. Uh, but then, of course, he has to do a rehab assignment, too. But I think the heart of your question is, would they maybe put Desmond in a shortstop, uh, keep Reynolds at first, and, you know, give Story some time out until he figures some stuff out? Uh, I get that question a lot from people because they see Story struggling so poor, so bad right now. It's a possibility that they could do that, keep Reynolds at first, move Desmond to short, and maybe even send Trevor Story down to AAA to get a tune-up. But I don't think Bud Black is going to do that right away. I think he's going to give Story time to try to work out of this, give him at least 100 bats, see where he is, see if he can, he can figure out his swing and get back on track. Because the last thing in the world they want to do is is crush his kid's confidence after he had such a good start last year. So it's kind of a delicate situation, but in the long run, the team has to keep winning baseball. Uh, so we'll see. I, I could see Story getting a few days off here and there while he works things out and having Desmond play a little shortstop as well as first base. So uh, while we're on the topic of Desmond a little bit, um, that signing was widely panned in uh, a lot of baseball uh 
communities uh, with with a lot of fan graphs type types, uh, analytical people um, really, really throwing that signing under the bus as far as losing a draft pick, giving a guy who's never played first a lot of money to play first. Um, how was that received in Denver? Did did people welcome him there? Or I guess what what was that? How how was that perceived there? Well, I think it was a split decision, like you just laid out. There was a lot of skeptics who thought, "Why are you giving the guy five years, seventy million dollars to play first base when he never played the position before? He's certainly not a, a powerful slugging first baseman like a Mark Trumbo would have been if the Rockies had chosen to to try to pursue him." Uh, but Jeff Bright, it's the GM of the Rockies, sees it totally different. He he thinks Desmond's a good clubhouse guy. He thinks he has versatility uh, defensively and offensively. And I think, though the Rockies haven't said this, it doesn't necessarily mean that Ian Desmond is going to be the long-term solution as a first baseman. With Carlos Gonzalez in the final year of his contract, there's certainly a possibility that, that Desmond becomes an outfielder. Um, and then maybe they bring up a, a young guy like Brandon Rogers to play first base uh, here in the, in the near future. So I think one of the reasons Jeff Breidich went and spent that kind of money is he liked the person, he liked the, the athleticism, and he liked the versatility of Ian Desmond. Now at this stage, because he hasn't played a single game for the Rockies outside of spring training because he broke his hand, you know, the jury's going to be out until we see what he produces at Coors Field and at first base and see if he's up to that task. You had something uh, a few days ago about the Rockies don't have any rivals. Uh, I found that interesting. Was it just basically they haven't had you know that 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 playoff success or those uh, division races where you develop those rivalries? Is that pretty much the reason? Well, the reason I wrote the column, it was my Sunday column, and I thought this for years, was there was a study by I think it was Northern Kentucky University where I happened to receive some information from them. And their information through various polling and, and studies they had done showed that the Rockies were the least hated team in Major League Baseball. In other words, the Rockies really don't have a, a big rivalry like the Dodgers and the Giants or the Yankees and the Red Sox or an, any number of teams. And I've always thought that's one of the things missing with the Rockies. Uh, for those of us who really like the long pennant race and uh, get into baseball, uh, we like the idea of, you know, the like the, when the Yankees come to Boston, you know that's a big deal regardless of the standings. Or when the Giants and the Dodgers hook up, it's always a big deal. There's always some fan animosity and some fireworks. And I think that's a, that's a fun thing. It's a good thing. But the Rockies, because a couple reasons. One, you know, they only have, what, seven winning seasons in their, in their history. They've only been to the playoffs three times. Uh, geographically, they really don't have a rival unless you count maybe Arizona Diamondbacks, but... The Diamondbacks and Rockies just don't seem to have that much of a uh, a little battle going on between the two. Uh, so it's just kind of the Rockies kind of in no man's land in that place. I think the only way they would really start to get a lot of rivals is if they started winning consistently. And then maybe the Giants, maybe the Dodgers, maybe the D-backs, maybe they really would become rivals and it'd be something where people would come to Coors Field and get behind the Rockies as opposed to now at Coors Field so often you get fans from opposing teams filling the ballpark to go root for the Cubs or the Giants or the Cardinals or whatever. I'd love to see that change. I don't know if it ever will, but it would be fun if it did. Patrick Saunders from the Denver Post doing a Sear 2080 Baseball podcast. A final question here. I got a chance to go out to Denver uh, to watch the Rockies for the first time 
last summer. Beautiful ballpark uh, goes without saying. Uh, what are your some uh, maybe some of your favorite spots to go uh, other than Denver? You're in LA right now. I'm sure that's uh, near the top. San Francisco is great. Uh, any other uh, towns or ballparks you like? Yeah, uh, good question. Um, I like Dodger Stadium. I'm not a big fan of LA. I actually stay in Pasadena just because it's it's easy. Uh, I like going to San Diego. Great city, good ballpark. Downtown's vibrant. San Francisco's phenomenal. My favorite ballpark in all the National League, at least, is uh, PNC Park in Pittsburgh. It's a beautiful, beautiful ballpark right on the confluence of the rivers. Uh, Metro, downtown Pittsburgh, looms up right behind it. Uh, I can stay downtown, walk across the Roberto Clemente Bridge to get to the ballpark. Pittsburgh's kind of a re, uh, uh, reborn city. I think it's fun. The fans are passionate. That's one of my favorite places to go as well. Patrick Saunders talking a little bit of Rockies here on the 2080 Baseball Podcast. Patrick, thanks for the time. Okay, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.